Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. This is going to be another fantastic episode with a good friend of ours, John Martinez, who actually comes from Missouri. You're in Missouri, right, John? You bet. Springfield. Uh, Springfield. Uh, Nixa, to be, be more exact. Nixa. And I have a good friend who lives or used to live in Nixa. Um, shout out to Corey and Natalie if they're listening to the podcast. But anyway, um, guys, this is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Show. We've been around for a long time. We've been doing this podcast seven years now. It's hard to believe. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Um, actually, six years. Did I say seven? Six years. Leave us a review on iTunes. Go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast and let us know if you like the show or not. We'd appreciate it. If you can subscribe to iTunes, leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, I did a few months ago an iPad giveaway for... Um, and I might be doing that again real soon here, uh, but we'd appreciate the reviews. Also, if you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, you get our Fast Cash Survival Kit, realestateinvestingmastery.com. I am going to be updating the website here soon and adding some, uh, just making it uh, look better and simpler real soon here, so stay tuned for that. Um, any other announcements? I don't think so. I used to uh, I used to read reviews in iTunes, but we get so many of them now, they're hard to keep up with. Um, but we appreciate the reviews that you guys leave. So today, um, a good friend of mine, John Martinez, is on the show. And he's a good friend, not because he lives in Missouri, but because he's really, really good at sales. And I've said a lot on this show and in my stuff, my podcasts and courses and stuff, that sales is the million-dollar skill and sales, marketing and sales kind of go hand in hand. But you can, you can do a, a lot of real simple marketing, get the phone to ring. That's easy. That's the easy part. <laughs> but knowing what to say to sellers when they call, when you actually pick up the phone, that's an entirely different set of skills that people need to, to have. And one of the things I want to be talking to John about, too, is um, – Talk about, you know, if you're not good at sales, how can you hire and find good acquisition managers? And how can you train them on sales if you're not good at sales yourself? Um, so, John, how are you? Joe, I'm doing awesome. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy as could be to be on your podcast. You're, you're, you're a legend, man. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I did get a really awesome award. I haven't even told anybody on my audience uh, on my list about this yet, but I got an award uh, over the weekend, over this week, um, at the at this ClickFunnels event, um, which was really an amazing honor. Um, made over, we grossed over a million dollars in sales in my education business, which is a complete honor. And I got this really cool plaque, and um, it was on Facebook. If anybody's curious to know what I'm talking about, just go to my Facebook page and you'll see it there. Um, but thanks, John, for that. All right, so John, um, how talk a little bit about your history in sales? How did you how did you get started in sales, and why do you like it? 
Well, uh, you know, I, I got started in sales reluctantly. Um, never, never meant to get in sales. You know, honestly, I never even liked talking to people. I was always a wallflower. I was, I was always very shy as a child. Um, you know, in, in fact, I grew up with a speech impediment. So I was in, I was in some, you know, pretty uh, intensive speech therapy uh, up through middle school. Wow. So um, I, I can honestly say I got into sales reluctantly. I'm not what you would call a natural salesperson by any stretch of the imagination. But, um, you know, in my early 20s, it was time to, uh, you know, find what I call a, a real job. I was working for a catering company and the people in my eyes who were successful were uh, I, I deliver food to, to doctor's offices for pharmaceutical reps, salespeople. And they were dressed nice and they drove nice cars and it looked really glamorous. So when I knew it was time to find a real job, that's kind of where my mind went is, hey, I want to I want to go into sales. So that's that's where that's where the seed was planted. Um, from there, I got into all commission sales uh, insurance, uh, actually built an insurance agency in Chesterfield just down the road from you, Joe. Really? And uh you know, it was a long struggle, but over a couple of years, learned the business of sales, team building, hiring salespeople, all that fun stuff, and built about a 50 agent agency, grossing about a quarter million a week, and what we the way we measure sales annualized uh, annualized revenue. Um, so that's how I got into it. Since then, a lot of sales consulting, team building, um, sales training, and that has transitioned over the last 15, 20 years into basically being a sales trainer and consultant. Nice. The, um, you, what, what got you interested in real estate then? Yeah, real estate was a complete accident. I'm absolutely in love with it. But it, it was an accident, um, probably similar to the way most people get into it. So, uh, you know, a few years, two years back, two and a half years back now, I guess it was, I was uh, I got called in by a call center and the call center just happened to provide real estate investors and realtors around the country leads that they would generate uh, online via landing pages and things like that. So they asked me to help with their scripts. Hey, we need help selling these leads to real estate uh, investors and realtors across the country. So I worked with their team. I uh, rewrote some scripts and I did some real basic call center training and uh, they happened to, to call um, an investor. Uh, some, someone you and I both know, Joe, Will Denker down in Houston. Okay. And they called Will and Will said, hey, you know, you guys call me every single week and something's changed. What the heck is going on around there? And they go, hey, we, we hired this sales guy, blah, blah, blah. I connected with Will and started working with his team. Uh, so that was a couple over a couple years ago. And since then, I think we have trained somewhere around 150 real estate investment organizations, uh, mostly on the acquisition side of the sales, uh, got into turnkeys, do a lot of boots in the ground training where we go and buy and sell properties. Uh, I now invest actively in three uh, real estate markets myself. Uh, Joe, I was in St. Louis buying houses yesterday. So um, oh. it, was, it, was, it was completely by accident. <laughs> well, uh, why didn't I know about this, John? <laughs> what? Well, who who were? Um, well, we can talk offline. I want to know who was selling you these homes. Yeah. So uh, I uh, just hired a new uh, a new sales guy for our our territory here in Springfield, and um, also working with uh, Jeff up at Starting Point in, in St. Louis. He oh, said, yeah. "Hey, you know, kill two birds with one stone." Love to see you in action in some appointments. And I say, I've got a sales guy to train anyways. You line up the appointments, let's go. So we did one in, in Illinois and one in St. Louis. And uh, Excellent. So, so that's that's how I ended up 
uh, up there. So Jeff was gracious enough to line up some appointments and we uh, just made it our mission to go up there, run through a basic sales process and see if we could pick up some houses. Yeah, Jeff's a good guy. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, I'm glad you're working with him. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic guy. Cool. All right. So you're actively investing in real estate. I just want to make sure everybody understood that because you understand the real estate game very well. Um, so, John, why is sales so important? What, maybe you can talk about the obvious, but sometimes people need to be reminded of this, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we all do. I mean, and I think you nailed it perfectly, Joe. It, 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 there really is a marriage between marketing and sales and, and they complement each other and they make each other more effective. You know, if you don't have marketing, you got no one to sell to. But if you don't know how to sell, a lot of those marketing dollars you are spending, um, you know, they, they don't they don't lead to anything. Right. They're, they're a waste of dollars. If you're walking away from leads you produce without converting or converting at the highest margins possible or converting the, the quickest and most uh, efficient way possible into some kind of deal, then that's really wasted time, money and resources. So marketing makes sales uh, possible, but sales is a way you, you monetize and make sure your marketing is actually working for you. So I, I think it's a marriage and, and, and uh, you, you really got to have both. Um, so why is sales so important? Well, because without it, you don't have deals. Yeah. Um, we can trip backwards into deals. We can, you know, a, a broke clock is right twice a day. We can still find deals. If, if our marketing's dialed in, we're going to find deals. Uh, the question becomes, are we leaving deals on the table? Is there an easier way to do it? Is there a more relaxed and co comfortable way for, for sellers to talk to us, for us to talk to sellers? And can we just make this, this transaction, this conversation we got to have anyways, can we make it more comfortable and make it so both parties get a ton more out of it? So uh, that, that's kind of my, my view in a nutshell. Nice. Here's the thing I think a lot of investors struggle with, um, John. They know that sales is important, but they're afraid of the phone. The phone is a cactus, you know, and they're like, ah, I know I want to do it. I know I need to do it, but I don't want to do it. Um, what do you say to somebody who maybe is lacking in confidence? They, they're just getting started. They're not at a level yet where they can hire somebody. Yeah. How do you, you know, I, I would say, first of all, I get it. Uh -huh. it's, it the phone can be extremely intimidating. Just talking to a, a prospect or a seller is extremely intimidating over the phone or face to face. Um, you know, some people are, uh, you know, find one more scary than the other, but they're both they're they're both horrifying in some cases. And the reason that is, is because usually those conversations are awkward and you get a lot of pushback. And if you don't handle them right, sometimes we upset people or make people uncomfortable. And I don't know about you, Joe, but when I make someone upset or uncomfortable, I don't want to do it again. It's, it's, it's a very awkward feeling and I hate it. So if you do that once, obviously you don't want to do it again. Yeah. Uh, and even to add to that, uh, if you make those calls and if you just don't know what to say, sometimes you feel foolish, right? If you don't have a plan of action, if you don't feel confident in, in, in what questions you're going to ask, how you're going to ask them or where the conversation needs to go, uh, beyond feeling awkward or, or, or the possibility of upsetting someone, it's just that feeling of, I don't feel like I know my stuff enough to be a pro. I feel like I may get twist it up and lose track of where this conversation needs to go. And that makes me feel foolish and nobody likes that feeling either. So, you know, what I would say to, to your question, Joe, is I totally get it. Mm -hmm. 
what can people do to kind of get over those fears? What can they do to get better at it? Practice? Yeah, yeah. So, so practice is the obvious one. I mean, the more you, the more you do anything, the less fearful you are of it. The first time we do anything um, in life at all, your first job, whatever it was, the first time you drove or rode a bike, it's scary. And the more you do it, it gets less scary because you realize, hey, nothing bad's going to happen here. Sure. Worst case scenario is really not that big of a deal. So that that's step number one. I think step number two is kind of letting your guard down and being real. So I think um, a lot of a lot of investors, when talking to sellers or homeowners or whoever they're talking to at the other side on the other side of the table, um, so we sometimes feel like we need to almost put up this fictitious front, right? I, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm super confident, and and that's hard to do. Yeah. Uh, it, the conversations become much easier if you just be real. Just say, hey, listen, I'm. Sometimes I, I'm a little uncomfortable having these conversations because I don't want to upset you. I'm going to make an offer on your house. Uh, I don't know if it's what you're looking for, if I'm going to be uh, where you expected me to be or lower. Hey, when I have these because of that, I, the last thing I want to do is offend you and I get a little bit uncomfortable. Being real like that, it, it lowers everybody's walls and it makes those conversations a, a, a lot more comfortable. Uh, beyond that, beyond the practice and just getting real, you know, taking down those those false walls and pretending to be someone else, uh, just having a game plan, right? Hey, I need to uncover these three pieces of information. Here's my preferred next step, and here's how I'm going to get there. Having just a basic outline of how that call will go will also relieve a lot of that fear and a lot of that tension going in, in going into any any call, Joe. <clears throat> One of the things I did when I was getting started was um, I would pretend, like when a seller would call me, first of all, I think the, the, the one of the most important things we need to talk about is that the first step is answering the phones. So many people are, <laughs> right? I mean, so many people are afraid to actually answer the phone. Or they think that, yeah. you know, if I'm going to do a lot of deals, I need to have all these systems in place so that um, the seller has to go through all these filters before I ever talk to them. And that's right. that's a big, big deal because the investor, if you want to do a lot of deals, you've got to be willing to pick up the phone and answer it because it's just a lost art. It, people have forgotten about that. Um, yeah. And in fact, a, a lot of people you see these some some of these companies now are actually even saying um, when when you call them, the person answering the phone will say, "Yeah, hey, this is uh, Rebecca from Houston, Texas. How can I help you?" You know, they're they're intentionally yeah. um, these big companies are bringing the call centers back into the U.S. and they're answering the phones and they're seeing customer satisfaction. Uh, g going way back up because it's not something yeah. that's that easy to outsource and people need to stop doing that. So, but what I was trying to say was one of the um, things that I did when I was first getting started um, is answering the phone and pretending like I was in a hurry getting ready to walk into a meeting and I didn't have a lot of time. Um, and this did a couple things for me, excuse me, because I was doing lease options a lot. And yeah. I I got into real easily this sales pitch mode of trying to convince them and sell them into this idea of doing a lease option. And I would be doing all the talking. I was nervous. I would be doing all the talking. And, and uh, you know, if they were polite enough to stay on the phone with me uh, 15, 30 minutes later, they'd be like, ah, I don't know. I need to think about it. Why don't you send me something or 
They just were too polite to say no and shut up and hang up, right? So, yeah. But I started taking the approach of, hey, thanks for calling. Um, listen, I'm getting ready to walk into a meeting. Um, can I just ask you a few questions about your house to see if it would be something that would work? And I would ask them about, I say, okay, you got my letter or you got my postcard. Um, maybe are you, are you interested in doing a lease option? Would you like some more information about that? All right, so give me your address and phone number um, and tell me a little bit about your house. And I would get some questions for them and say, listen, let me put together some numbers. I'll call you back and send you some stuff, and we can talk about it then. Is that okay? And I took these phone calls down from 30 minutes to two to five minutes sometimes, and I would be able to find out whether they were even interested in doing business with me today or not, right? And right. I, don't, I don't know if that's something that you teach people, but I found for me that's helpful just like in my mind – um, positioning myself as I'm real busy. I got a lot of things going on. I don't even know if your house would be a good fit for me or not, but let me get some basic information from you. And you can even do that from uh, having an, having an assistant do something like that as well. What do you think of all that? Joe, I think that's, I think that's brilliant. Uh, I, I think that is a, a, I think that's an awesome approach. Um, and, and yeah, the, the answer is, uh, do do we do I train that same stuff? Absolutely, because there there's a couple reasons why that approach works. Um, you know, we, we when we do our training and we do sales training, we we train concepts. And the, the way you you mentioned the way you handle that, uh, you you really played on two pretty powerful concepts in sales uh, that that make that so powerful. So number one, we always teach something called the, the, an advance agreement because people. People hold back. People are a little scared. People are a little anxious. Um, if if they go into a call like this and they don't know, hey, how long is this call, call going to take? What's Joe going to ask me? Is he going to try to pressure me into something and hard sell me at the end? Any any type of sales type of situation or unknown scenario like that, we have fears and stuff going into those types of calls. So as prospects or sellers, you relieve those fears by letting them know, hey, this is how long it's going to take. Hey, I've only got a few minutes. I'm walking into a meeting. So that, that fear is erased. Okay, mm -hmm. Joe's not going to keep me on the phone for 30 minutes. I can relax a little bit. You're setting the agenda. Um, you're, you're setting the agenda. You're setting the agenda. Absolutely. You're letting him know how long it's going to take, exactly what's going to happen on the call. And you also not only remove the pressure, hey, I'm not going to pressure you into a yes. In fact, you went the opposite way and kind of, hey, and I'll see if this might even work for me. And uh, you remove the pressure of, okay, I'm not going to be hard sold into anything. And you, it sounds like you even take it a step further and, and lean on something we call psychological reactance, which is when we start to take something away from someone, they want it more. So when you take the approach of, I'm, I'm not even sure if this is going to work yet, can I ask you a few questions? And if it does, you know, we can talk about what a next step would be. I'll send you some numbers or something. They start to fight to want to talk to you, give that information because you took that option away. So yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for those two reasons, Joe, um, setting those expectations, time, agenda, and outcome, and even leaning into psychological reactance or reverse psychology, I think that's a, a brilliant approach. I love the way you put that together. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I, I've never considered myself good at sales. Um, in fact, I consider myself pretty poor at it. Um, but it, I, I realize it's like the most important thing. I mean, if you were to look at sales and the continuum of real estate investing, it's probably like 80% of the, of the entire process to do make money in this business. Like 80% of it is sales. And 20% uh, of it is marketing. That's it. 
Like everything else is unimportant almost. Like sales and marketing, because um, the marketing is easy. That's I've always said this. We're in the marketing business, not in the real estate business. But getting that phone to ring, but then when they get them on the phone, especially in this day and age, right, John, when, when the response rates for direct mail, because there's so much competition, is plunged, it's plummeted, it's hard to get even half of a percent response rate sometimes in some markets, 1% if you're doing really, really good. Every single call that comes in is you got to treat that call like like gold, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As sales is where, I mean, that's the difference between a deal and no deal. Yeah. Um, you know, when we were in St. Louis yesterday, all, all the cards were stacked against us. Um Luckily, we had I, I leaned on a few. We were able to lean on a few just key, very simple sales. Sales isn't magic, right? If you learn a couple of uh, tools or, or key concepts, you're golden. Yeah. You know, it was a nightmare scenario when we walked into one home yesterday and the woman said, listen, I got two more investors coming tomorrow to give me bids. So we're not making a decision a day. Even if I loved your price and there wasn't anyone else coming, my husband's not here, so I can't make a decision. By the way, there's no motivation because I'm already moved out. I'm in a nicer house. There's no payment on this thing. It's just sitting here so we can wait all day. We can list it. We can do whatever we want. That's like a night. That's like zero motivation, more investors, nightmare scenario for an investor. But being able to lean on just having a couple of tools you can use, educating yourself enough to have a couple of tools you can use. We got the contract within the hour. Um, that's the difference between monetizing your marketing and, and not monetizing the marketing. So I, I agree. Now, now I, I think you, you're a marketing guy, Joe, you're a marketing genius. I mean, I, I know you won't say it yourself, so I'll say it for you. You <laughs> know, the you. award you won this last weekend was, 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 you know, more of a testament to that. To me, marketing is really hard hmm. getting that phone to ring. So when I get that phone to ring, I want to make sure we convert everything possible. So that's why I focus so heavy on sales because I, I don't have your marketing skills. So when we do get someone who says, hey, come talk to me, I, I hold on to that opportunity uh, with, with, with every ounce of strength I have because I don't know when the next one's coming. And if there's a possible way to convert it, you, you better believe I'm going to use every tool in my toolkit to convert that into a deal. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. All right, so... Let's talk, if we can, about acquisition managers. Um, you know, when when is it a good time for somebody who's into real estate investing, has maybe already done some deals, when is it a good time to find somebody on their team, uh, either internal or external, uh, to start maybe taking some of the initial calls, maybe actually even selling the seller's uh, on the phone, mm -hmm. scheduling the appointments. When is that? When is that a good time to start doing that, John, or start thinking about that? Yeah, I, I think you do it yourself for as long as you can, and you do it until you become a bottleneck in your own business. Good, right? Okay. If you hit a point and you go, "I still want to grow, but I'm the thing keeping me from growing," you're gonna have to outsource some of those skills. And you know, outsourcing acquisitions that that's that's one of the you know you can you can outsource any piece of your business or, or you know not outsource but um, uh, give some of those responsibilities and those tasks up to others on your team. So uh, once you hit, I think the first point is once you hit that point where you go, I'm not where I want to be yet. There's still some growth I want to see, but I don't have the time, the energy, the resources. I'm the bottleneck. I think that's when you have that real conversation with yourself of, okay, which piece of this am I comfortable letting go? But I think in order to know your business, in order to know your customers, in order to know your market, you do it for as long as you can yourself. 
Okay, good. And so when you when you decide, yeah, I need to find somebody now to help me with these calls because I'm I'm not staying on top of them. I'm the bottleneck here. And you, I think you know that, don't you think? When it takes you more than a couple hours to call a seller back, is that probably a good time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is definitely it. You you know, the quicker you get back to that call, the better. When, when you've got a seller who's looking for, uh, you know, they're in pain, they need a problem solved, they want to deal with this now, if you don't pick up the phone, they're going to find someone else to talk to. So, I, I, yeah, I think you nailed it again, Joe. If it's taking you a couple hours, definitely time to uh, start thinking about uh, handing over the reins to someone else who can get on that quicker. Good. All right. So how do you find those kinds of guys? Um, how do you find good acquisition managers or um would you say maybe the next step is not an acquisitions manager, but maybe somebody, an assistant or, or a virtual assistant that can answer the phone live? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, 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 I would cater to my, my own strengths, right? If, if uh, I knew I had to give up a piece of it and I knew I could just – I felt really comfortable and I could kill it face-to-face, then I'd, I'd, I'd probably find someone to take those calls for me, right? My weakness is what I'd get rid of. If I was really good on the phone portion, but then I got super nervous meeting with people, then I'd probably f- try to find someone who could who could uh, take that piece for me. So, uh, you know, I would I would look at my own strengths and what I enjoy doing and, and kind of use that as a as a guide to, uh, you know, taking that next step with expanding my team. All right. So let's let's say somebody is good at closing sellers. I mean, they just th- their marketing's working well. They're getting a lot of leads. They just need. They feel like maybe they're losing too many sellers because the seller leaves a voicemail and it takes the guy sometimes a day to call that seller back. So maybe he needs or she needs somebody to actually answer the phones live. What do you recommend they start thinking about or how can they find that person? Yeah, so um, I'm a big proponent of, you know, when I get into to sales, the training of sales management, and when I train sales managers around the country or business owners, um, the, the trick is this. It might not be the, the answer you were looking for, but the trick is this. One, one thing you should be doing as a business owner with, with the sales organization, and, and, and I think you, you said it early, we are all in sales and marketing mainly. And when you run a sales and marketing organization, when you need to hire someone, it's usually too late. Recruiting is a process that should go on, in my opinion, year-round. You always want successful candidates sitting on your bench, ready to be put in the game. Huh. And what this does is uh, when you are overloaded, I mean, let's just talk this through. When you're overloaded and you need help, what don't you have time to do? Go find help. Or if you have someone taking your calls or running your appointments for you, an acquisitions guy or gal, and they're not cutting it, and you don't have anyone on the bench ready to replace them, what are you going to do? You're probably going to hold on to them because you're thinking, well, maybe they're not as good as someone else could be, but they're there. And if they're not there, who's going to run those calls? Do I have to run those calls? So I, I, I kind of take a step back, Joe, and look at it from the perspective of recruiting is a process that you never stop doing. Because if you don't constantly recruit, um, it, it makes everything after that, the whole rest of managing salespeople and running a sales or marketing organization, a lot more difficult. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if that's what you're expecting well, to hear that's, from me. but That's um, a good point. That's a real good point. So how do you start recruiting? What do you start? Who are you looking for? 
And, yes, and let's. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me. The same. Let me. Let me clarify, yeah, John. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead, Joe. I missed the last piece of that. No. Let, how would you suggest people to um, start finding the person that can just answer the phones first? Yeah. So you know, use. Think of this when you think of recruiting. Think of it the exact same as your marketing. When you shoot out marketing, what do you want to do? You want to uh, fill your pipeline, right? A lot of prospects in the top of the funnel. So when we're talking about recruiting. We need to put an ad out there in the right places. Indeed is good. Craigslist can be good. There's a lot of different sources. Joe, I bet you've got, you got some good sources. Um, so you want a good ad, an ad to, uh, number one, attract the right candidate. So you want to write a job description uh, and, as if you're writing a letter to, that, to the perfect person for that position, and you want to distribute it. You want to get it on job boards, Craigslist, wherever you can. So you start to fill that pipeline the same you do in marketing. And after that pipeline's full, then the same you do with your, your prospects, your sellers, you start qualifying them. Um, so that, that's the first step of the process is you got to take action. Uh, just like you said earlier, you got to pick up the phone. The first step in recruiting and finding that perfect person is writing almost what I think of as a love letter to them, right? You, you want to describe and search out and attract the right person with your job ad. And you got to get it out there and post it so you can start filling the top of that funnel. Right. Nice. Okay, so um, somebody who's just answering the phones, that can be a it can be an admin assistant, right? It doesn't have to be a yeah. rock star salesperson. Right? right, right. Okay. So Yeah, so go ahead talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So they don't have to be a rock star salesperson. Um, with the right scripting and just a little bit of training. Uh, you know, just just how to talk to people, how to respond to people. So a little bit of training around, hey, here's who's calling. These are the situations we deal with, and this is what we need to be sensitive to. Uh, and, and then a solid script guiding the conversation. All you really need is someone who's going to follow that script and that little bit of training. Uh, in fact, it's sometimes better if that person isn't a rock star salesperson, because if they start thinking too much on their feet, then those conversations can get very long. There's a lot of stream of consciousness type of talking instead of efficiently following a script. Those calls get longer. We handle less leads. So that can actually hurt you. Uh, so you want some basic people skills, but it is a kind of a regimented process. So, so my recommendation there is basically someone who's got some, some basic people skills can understand when someone's upset, when to slow down, when to speed up, that type of real basic stuff. And just follow a script and ask the questions we need to and, and, uh, let the the script and the guide kind of guide our conversation. Okay, very good. Um, you know what I might do, John? Um, I have a really really good script, and I bet you do too. Let's make it available yeah. as a free giveaway for this podcast. What would you say to that? Yeah, love to, Joe. Absolutely. All right, and this will be a script for the initial call person. Like uh, the the admin assistant or somebody that answers the initial call. I'm writing myself a note here. Uh, so <laughs> if you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, look up this show. And I don't know which episode it's going to be, John. Um, I'm bad with keeping track of my episode numbers. But do a search for this podcast. John Martinez will be in the name of the podcast. On the podcast show notes will be a link where you can get the script that – I use for my admin assistant who answers – I actually use a virtual assistant in the Philippines who has really, really good English, um, no accent at all, and high-speed internet. Very. I, <clears throat> let me just say this. I prefer people to hire somebody local when it comes to actually talking on the phone to sellers. But um, 
I actually use somebody from the virtual from the from the Philippines, but I pay her very very well. <laughs> I'll just say that. Uh, so I'll give away a script. And uh, John, do you have one too? Yeah, yeah, Joe. I'll get that sent over to you, and you're welcome to distribute that to uh, to anyone who who likes it. Nice, nice. And again, go to the show notes at realestateinvestingmastery.com. Uh, just go to the search bar in that on that website and type in John or John Martinez, and you will see a link in the show notes for getting those scripts. We'll give them away for free. Uh, that'll be nice. Awesome. Okay. Uh, John, let's talk about uh, getting an acquisitions manager. This is somebody that uh, maybe answers the phones live, but does more of the selling or the closing right then on the phone, right? Um, I know yes. this is one of the things you're really, really good at. This is one of the things your program does. Uh, you help people with this. And you have – I've seen your training before. It's amazing on building these these kinds of teams. Uh, what what are the, some of the things that you need to look for when you're trying to find these kinds of people? Right. So great. That's a, a fantastic question, Joe. So I, I want to answer that a couple of ways. Um, first way is uh, the first first piece of this is um, the, one of the biggest mistakes. I, I think this is the way I can help this group the most. So I want to cover first one of the biggest mistakes I see is one of the biggest mistakes I see out there that that cost people months and months and tons of deals uh, is, is putting all the eggs in one basket, hiring one person and then throwing everything they have, invest everything they have into that one person to hope they can make it. Because what happens when we do that is we, we go with our gut, we hire one person, we train the dickens out of them, we invest our time and resources into them, and if they're not cutting it, uh, even sometimes if we realize it's time to cut the cord and try someone else, we've lost months and we're reluctant to do it because I just spent 60 days training this person, um, all this money, all these leads, I don't want to lose my investment, so I'll keep them for another month and see if he or she turns around. So. That's hiring that one person, putting all your resources into them is the biggest problem I see. We usually recommend, of course, always recruiting. And then when it's time to spin up a position, putting three to five people in that position, running some type of real world test where you can see who's going to actually perform instead of just looking into your magic eight ball, uh, you know, making your, your, your gut instinct kind of decision and then hoping for the best. Um, lots of times when we do this, the front runner is one that fizzles out. And it's one of those people we didn't think were, would actually be the best for the job who ends up the best for the job. And if you want to go further than that, when you do these tests to see who's actually going to do the job and excel at it, there's even ways you can monetize that. So while they're testing, while you're seeing who's best for you, they can be uh, you know, calling old leads, developing new leads, things like that. So uh, that's one of the biggest mistakes. That's that's one of the nuggets I wanted to leave for for your uh, your listeners, Joe, because that's one of the biggest mistakes I see. Months and and tons of resources wasted when it's easy not to. Um, okay. The other piece of that is when we look for these people, what are we looking for? I I don't really look so much for traits. I look for weaknesses. Um, there's certain weaknesses uh, that will keep salespeople from ever being fantastic salespeople, no matter how great of a person they are, um, how well they get along with people, there's certain weaknesses that if they have those weaknesses, they're, they're, they're not going to perform like you want them to perform. So I'll, there, there's actually five of them, but I'll touch on the biggest one, Joe. 
The biggest one is, is really a need for approval. Um, these are usually who you see in, and I'm going to get some flack for this, I know it, but relationship builders. When we look at relationship builders, that's usually who we look at. Hey, I want a relationship builder, someone who can talk to anybody for my salesperson. But when we, we look at sales in general, all industries across the board, relationship builders make uh, out of the top 5% of all salespeople industry-wide, uh, nationwide relationship builders make up only uh, 5% of top salespeople. When you look at the more of a, a, a complex sale, more of a um, a sale as, as is real estate, uh, you know, one where we have to do a lot of talking and coaching throughout the sales process, only 2% of top salespeople are relationship builders. Now, the reason for this is relationship builders are really good at making friends and keeping friends. And what do you do when you want to keep a friend? You don't challenge them. You don't ask tough questions. You don't ask for decisions. Um, so I know that goes across the grain, but uh, the research from the corporate executive board, from uh, um, the, the Gallup organization and a few others show us that relationship builders are actually some of the weakest salespeople out there because of that, because of that hidden weakness of uh, the need for of uh, acceptance and not wanting to hurt that relationship once they, they make it. So they don't ask for the decision. They don't close the deal. So I know that probably ruffles some feathers, Joe, and I always get a little scared when I bring it up. But um, hopefully that sheds a little bit of light onto that whole uh, hiring and acquisitions manager process. Interesting. All right. So uh, this is a whole topic we could spend several hours on. Um, what are I'm kind of interested to know more about what are some of the tests and what are some of the – oh, I remember what I was going to ask you <laughs> related to this. Um, well, I'll ask that question in just a minute. Um, what are some of the tests that you give them to make sure that they're going to be a good fit for you? Yeah, so acquisition managers, I want to make sure they're going to do the work and be good at it. So I like to do things like uh, have them follow up on old leads and do what I call kind of customer surveys. Just, hey, you're out. We visited with you. Wanted to know, you know, what you liked about the experience, what you didn't like. Um, you know, the reason why you decided not to, to do business with us, did you do business with anyone else? Why? Just those, those real type of uh, basic types of customer service questions, because you get to see how they enter. You get to see, number one, will they will they do the behaviors necessary to be successful at the job? Are they afraid of people? How are they when they talk to people? And while they do it, you'll often find out that they'll revive deals because they'll find out, oh, you know, I, was, I, I liked what you guys were saying, but there's this one thing I was concerned about. Right. And, um, you know, I went with another person, but it didn't pan out. So I'm actually back in the market. I need to sell my house. So that's a way you can start to see, will they do the actions? How do they interact with people? Uh, what's their personality like? Um, are they scared to get on the phone or talk to people? And in the process, you, you're, you're going through your database and uncovering deals at the same time. Um, you can you can also do different variations of that when it comes to, you know, cold calling, Craigslist, Fizbo's, things like that, to to generate leads with a simple script uh, to the effect of, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're looking to buy houses in your area and that neighborhood actually, and I'm just wondering if you'd be, you know, uh, wanna uh, see what we'd be able to pay for a house like yours and start uh, generating leads too. So we can start to see behaviors, how they act, uh, what they'll do for you. And at the same time, you're monetizing it because you're generating leads or, or reviving dead leads. That, that's usually how I like to handle it, Joe. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, all right. So then 
one of the things I was thinking about, you gave me some great ideas and tips uh, a few months ago when we were talking about this at that mastermind, uh, how to find good sales acquisition guys from uh, in, in markets that do a lot of um, timeshares. Do you remember yeah, this? So you can, you know, we're always looking to, it's the same as marketing, right? How do we get the attention of those we want to attract? So if we look at something like timeshares, it's a, it, it's a high dollar sale. It's a very complex sale. Uh, and these people close business. So when we talk about marketing, right, how do we message to those people, right? The same as we, we market to uh, motivated sellers. When we market to motivated sellers, it's, how do we get the attention of people that are dealing with these problems, these pains, lots of repairs, tired landlord? We use the exact same approach. Like you said, Joe, it's all marketing when we're recruiting. So, hey, if there's an, an industry where I really like, you know, like timeshares, these people can close deals. They've, they've got the DNA, the selling DNA. Yeah. How do I get their attention? So, well, you know, they, they like money. They're, they're good at what they do. But a lot of people in that industry don't really feel good about what they do, right? They also have a lot of concerns about the seasonality of those positions. So you can market to those people, find those people in the way you, you, you write those emails or those job ads or craft your conversation when you talk to them or, or about those pains, right? So I help salespeople who are looking for uh, you know just something different where they don't have to worry about uh, being super busy one month and having no work the next. And and I, I, I am looking for a salesperson who really wants to help others enjoy what they do, go home at night feeling really good about what they do, and make a fantastic living at the same time. So, uh, you know, it goes right back to your specialty, Joe. It's, it's about marketing and communicating the right message to, to grab from those industries you know uh, good salespeople live in. And you gave me a really good... Um kind of example craigslist ad to put out there do you remember that uh like you, you were, Joel, i wish i did it oh, was a couple of months back yeah yeah okay well uh, I'll, I'll jog your memory it was a um you post a craigslist ad in a city like branson or orlando where there's a lot of timeshare selling and yeah. you, you basically ask him a question like are you tired of oh, i forget how you phrased it. it was so good like are you tired of feeling like uh slime ball when you when you sell timeshares to people right something like that do you remember right that that's exactly it so uh you know going back to what we were saying a moment ago it's just it's it's the the, the way we do deals and we sell in real estate or we, we acquire properties is we solve problems it's the exact same thing as when we hire so hey you know you put out a postcard it's hey you know are you uh, you know, you're, you're, are you tired of the situation you're in? Is you, do you need to sell quickly or do you have massive repairs? Are you feeling the pressure? Are you behind on, it's the same thing with salespeople. So, Hey, are you tired of feeling like this? Are you frustrated with this? Uh, are you feeling anxious because of this? Are you stressed out because of this? Yeah. If so I may have the solution for you. Yeah. Okay. Real good. So, um, what other advice, John, would you give to people that want to hire an acquisitions manager, um, don't know where to start, don't know what to pay them? Uh, how does that – that's a big topic, I know, but what, what, kind of, what kind of advice would you give to people about that? So pay is pretty easy. I mean, the, we, we've got industry standards. Um, 
because I've worked with, I think, close to 150 investors now. They all pay roughly the same. There's there's variances everywhere, but I'd say the bulk, right? That if you go with 80, 20, 80% of them pay uh, somewhere between 10 and 20% um, of, of the profit, basically HUD to HUD. Um, so, so somewhere between 10 and 20% all commission. Um, that's the standard and it's working for a lot of people, uh, especially a lot of people with the larger organizations who use the same approach with, with hire a few, see who can really make it, uh, see who will prove themselves and, and who truly is the best. Um, that's what they're getting the best results from. Now, some pay as high as 30, it's rare, right? Some pay a base and then a smaller uh, variable compensation piece. That's a little rare too. So uh, rule of thumb, if you just want to, hey, what are the bulk of people doing out there? They're paying a commission of somewhere around 15 to 20% on uh, on the profit. Uh, 10 so to that's 15%. the way you're safe. You know, you're only paying money if you're making money. Okay. Do you see normally um, people pay some kind of base salary uh, and then do a draw? Not normally. Um, it, it is a topic of conversation nowadays. Um, but But... I, I want to maybe take a step back and, and, and determine where that conversation comes from. So uh, if we really examine it, the whole, hey, let's pay a base salary conversation comes from, you know, when I when I get a, a person, it was such a pain to get them to begin with, and I don't like turnover and this and that, that maybe if I pay a base salary, they'll hang around longer and I don't have to go through that hiring process again and again. So that's why, that's why I said it's so important to have people on your bench because when you hire the, the way I recommend it, you have people on your bench ready to jump in the game and you test a few out before you, you pick one uh, or you have a couple going. Um, it, it prevents that whole scenario where you no longer feel the pressure of I don't want to go through this again. So maybe if I just give this guy or gal four or five thousand bucks a month, they won't leave me. If you do the hiring the right way and have your recruiting process dialed in, you end up not having that problem where you even consider paying the base. Because uh, real estate is is hard enough not to you know um, hard enough on its own uh, to to not have to add another uh, salary or base salary another expense uh, that that may or may not produce any actual return for you. So I, I would say the real question is not salary or no salary. It's what puts you into that position to begin with to feel like I need to pay a salary. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes that's that's. Uh, you know, your, your recruiting process and hiring process isn't dialed in. And if it was, that wouldn't be an issue you, you had to deal with. Did, did that make sense, Joe? Or did I did I just make that really muddy and confusing? No, that makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> I'm glad you clarified that because it's important to have that hiring processes uh, figured out in advance because you don't want to hire the wrong people. That's That can be a disaster. And I thought it's interesting to emphasize or to emphasize what you were talking about before. Um, you always need to be hiring. The, the friends that I have that are doing 10 deals a month or more and have a big sales team, they are constantly hiring new people. And I've always wondered, like, why? <laughs> you got good guys already. Um, but they can always add more, and there's always going to be a little bit of turnover. And in fact, I, you might even argue that uh, there's probably higher turnover when it comes to sales guys, right? Absolutely. 100%. And and one of the things I know, because I, I know a little bit about having a sales team and acquisitions manager, these guys are good at sales, right? And they're good at sales for the reason they have the personality for it. They're yep. go-getters. They're aggressive. Um, 
Sometimes those guys can be a little unstable <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> okay, is that yeah. a, is that a nice way to put it? Um, that is know, a very nice and, and fair way to put it. I agree with you. They've they've got the ego. Uh, they think they're all that, um, and sometimes they're they're hard headed or bull nosed or whatever, right? So, <laughs> is there is there any way to to I don't know how do you handle that part of the business, John? Is that a good question? Yeah. So uh, again, and I know I'm going to be beating a dead horse here, but um, you know, a good book to read on that number one is Top Grading. I, I don't remember the author's name, but it's fantastic when it comes to uh, always always recruiting and improving the uh, quality of your sales team. Um, but it, it's setting expectations and and following through. Hey, here's my minimum requirements. Sales guy or gal, if you don't hit them, you're gone. But again, this falls back to why don't people just do that then? Why don't they say, here's minimum requirements to work in this organization and then follow through with it and let salespeople get away with whatever they want to? The reason is no one's on the bench. So again, it comes down to, shoot, well, listen, they won't do that, but if I let them go, but if I upset them, I don't want to be in that situation of not having someone having to do it myself or having those leads go unanswered. Okay. So again, it, it comes back to that importance of having someone on the bench and then you, you don't run into that issue. You don't let salespeople get away with murder basically because they're quote unquote a, a natural or a good sales guy. You say, these are the rules of, of, of this organization and if you don't follow the rules, I'm sorry, you're great at what you do, but you can't be a part of it. Um, if you do make those exceptions, you just have to understand there's going to be some some serious limitations to growth and scalability because you can't you can't scale or, or grow or, or manage an organization like that. That's good. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, um, John. I know your time's valuable, and we've already gone over it. Um, what can people do? Well, first of all, let me just remind you guys that uh, John and I are going to give away our scripts that we have that we use for our virtual assistants or your admin assistant, whoever, who answers the phones. Um, mine is really simple. I, I try to get my VA or my assistant to schedule the appointment. Um, it's, not a, it's, it's a pre-screening call, but if there is some motivation, if there's a need or a reason that they need to sell, then we're just going to go ahead and schedule the appointment. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that my acquisitions manager – and I, my acquisitions managers, by the way, are other wholesalers. I partner with other local wholesalers. It doesn't mean that they have to make keep the appointment, but we're getting the seller to make a commitment. They're scheduling it something. They're scheduling something, getting it on the calendar. And hopefully the idea is that it'll stop them from calling other wholesalers. Uh, but, you know, then it allows me to, that wholesaler, the partner that I'm using, can look at the lead in Podio and determine whether they want to keep the appointment or not or call the seller back, ask a few more questions, kind of screen them out a little bit more if they have to. But they don't have to make the appointment, but the appointment's being made. And that's the main point of my script. What is the main purpose of your script that we're going to be giving away to people? Yeah, so it's similar, but it is it is a little different. So uh, the script I'll give away, um, you know, Joe, you mentioned you've got a, a VA in the Philippines um, I'm actually part owner in a, a, a Philippines-based call center that just takes these kinds of calls. So I'm going to give away this. My script is what we give the same agents on the phone where they take inbound calls from all over. So it's very simple because we don't know where the calls are coming from, what type of marketing generated those calls. But it's a very streamlined, easy way to 
find out some information about the property, dig into motivation a little bit and, and, and all that fun stuff. Um, and then the, the end of our script goes to some type of next step where, hey, a home buying specialist uh, will, will, from whatever company will be giving you a call right back to, to set up the appointment or the next step, whatever it is. So it's going to be streamlined. You can easily replace uh, the next step at the end of our script with, hey, I'm going to come out and see your property. Um, but it is it has been refined uh, immensely over the last three months. Um, really over about over this last four weeks, we've used a script on close to 10,000 calls to dial it in. So uh, that's that's the script. I mean, we put a lot of time and effort into this script, so I, I don't want anyone to take it lightly. It's uh, it, it's dialed in and it's working throughout the country. So we'll give you that script. Nice. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's I, I think it'll do either one is going to, you know, do whatever fits that person's personality. I think they'll do well with either one. OK, good. And um, the. Um, I was going to say, oh, yeah, you're just talking about the your call center. You have some training, John, um, to help people with sales, to find the acquisitions teams, build manage the acquisitions teams. And you also have a call center. Um, can you talk yeah. about the training you guys have available and what your call center does? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'll just touch on it briefly. The call center, as I said, just uh, takes those inbound calls, makes outbound calls, does, does the call piece of real estate investing. So uh, most people just uh, forward their calls to us and we live answer them uh, seven days a week uh, or they forward, um, you know, leads that come from SEO, PPC, that type of thing. And we call them back as a piece of that call center. What we do is uh, we also nurture that lead for up to a year if they're not motivated right now or not ready. Uh, so that consists of nine phone additional phone calls over the course of the year um, and 26 emails, a nurturing campaign we built that goes out over about 390 days. So um, the call center takes those leads and either turns it in, turns it back to gives it back to the investor with all the information they need to go run an appointment or we nurture it until they are ready. So that's a call center piece. The sales training piece, um, we have a program where, again, we dig in on both sides of it. The acquisitions part, talking to home sellers, doing deals, overcoming objections, all that type of stuff, face-to-face uh, -face and over the phone. So we also train teams stateside to take those phone calls, collect the information, uh, do all those sales types of activities, whether face-to-face -face or over the phone, without getting any pushback, without being uncomfortable, the best ways to ask these types of questions, why we ask them that way. So uh, at the end of the day, really, uh, the sales training all comes down to how do we convert the marketing, the leads we're getting into next steps? How do we convert those next steps into deals? And when we get those deals, how do we make sure we're, we're doing them at the best possible margins? Very good. And where can people go to get more information about that, John? You know, uh, you just go to my website to grab some information. Uh, and if you need to contact us through that, it's MidwestRev.com. So the name of my company is Midwest Revenue Group. The website is www.MidwestRevRev.com. Nice. Cool. Rev.com. And they can get more information there on your call center and the training that you have, correct? Yep, absolutely. Good. Well, I'm excited about this call center, John. And one of the things that we are um, next week, by the time as we're recording this right now, we're going to be releasing a new product on Mojo, Mojo Cells. And I'm excited about it. It's a real simple how to use this product called Mojo Cells. And one of the resources that we're going to be recommending to people in that is your uh, call center. 
which will well, be cool. Yeah, I think I think that product and I, we've talked about it before, Joe, offline. And uh, I think what you're putting together there is going to be really powerful and, and fill a huge gap, uh, you know, kind of kind of in this space. So I'm excited to take a look at all of what you put together, too, because I, I think it's going to uh, I think it's going to knock it out of the park. Yeah, cool. I'm excited about it, too. And um, well, good. Thank you, John, for your time, guys. If you want that, the two scripts that we have. Um, for the out, the um, the initial call that comes in, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Go to the show notes, realestateinvestingmastery.com. Go to the show notes for this podcast. And depending on when you're listening to this, it'll be at the top of the page, or you can just go to the search bar on the page and look up John or John Martinez and find the show notes. And there'll be a link in there where you can get these uh, scripts. I think they're going to be really helpful for you guys. Uh, thanks again, John. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you, Joe. It's always a pleasure. And again, his website, guys, is www.midwestrev.com. Midwest, R-E-V for revenue, dot com. All right, guys, we'll see you later. Thanks a lot. Take care.